For the News and Observer and the NC Insider, I'm Dawn Vaughn, your host for Under the Dome for the week of Monday, October 17th, 2022. I'm here today with my colleague, Danielle Battaglia, who is our correspondent in Washington, D.C., covering Congress and the federal government. Um, we'll start off first, though, with the grim news of the mass shooting in Raleigh that happened this past Thursday. As we record this on Friday, uh, they released this morning the names of the people that were killed. Um, So we're going to say their names and uh, lift up their lives. Uh, It's Raleigh police officer Gabriel Torres, age 29, Nicole Connors, age 53, Susan Carnatz, age 49, Mary Marshall, age 35, and James Thompson, age 16. Those five people are the people we know. Others were injured, but that's information we have as of Friday. Um, Again, everything changes, so that's the information we're going to share now. Um, We hope their memory is a blessing. Um, Danielle, I don't know if there's anything you wanted to say before we move on to talk about uh, the government and politics. I just want to say, you know, my hearts are with all of you in Raleigh. It's, uh, you know, as a former breaking news reporter, it's very hard to watch my colleagues cover this and not be with you guys and um, not be with Raleigh. I think Don and I are both DC natives and I'm back in my hometown, but I think both of us have lived in North Carolina now longer than we have in DC. And um, yeah, it's home for me. So to not be home and with everybody while they're reeling from this is quite painful. And um, I just love all of you. And and I am thinking of all of you and, and wish I could, do what I'm trained to do and, and give you guys information and and be there and, and hug my coworkers and hug all of you. And, and I'm just thinking of all of you. And I hope those that are most affected are just know that we support you. We love you. We're thinking about you. Um, I think our hearts, our thoughts, prayers, um, however people want to offer comfort to um, the families and loved ones of, of those who who died, um, there's going to be um, repercussions for, for a while. So we're um, holding all of those um, close, to, close to us. So uh, after tragedies, people turn to politics and policy, and, you know, with an usually in pretty immediate um, response with shootings of people disagree with uh, current politics or policy about different things. So... I'm sure we'll hear more about that in, in the weeks to come at the local level, state, and, and federal level. So now we'll turn to another serious topic uh, that's been going on this past week that Danielle has been covering up in D.C., the January 6th committee hearing, uh, which told more about, about that grim day. Um, Danielle, tell us why there was this recent hearing and just bring us up to speed on why this happened then and how that's different than maybe previous hearings that that people have followed. Sure. I'll start off actually at the top with the most important news that came out of it, which was um, the committee met and they made sure to let it be known at the start that this wasn't just going to be a hearing, but it was going to be a business meeting where they were actually going to take action. And that action was going to be to vote to subpoena former president Donald Trump. Um, He has not been subpoenaed in previous hearings or um, they haven't subpoenaed him behind the scenes, and they made it very clear they wanted to do something of that 
level in front of the American people so they understood why they were doing it and and the magnitude of what they were doing. Um, This hearing was always planned to have happened. There's been a series, I think it kicked off maybe in June or July. There's been nine hearings. Um, Most of them have had witnesses. This is supposed to be the last one. I don't know if President Trump testifies, if that still marks it as the last one or if we'll hear from them again. But um, yesterday's was supposed to basically present the evidence that we've heard before, the evidence that we hadn't seen. I think the most compelling evidence that we saw that we hadn't seen previously was um, video footage taken by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's daughter, who was with her mother. Um, a lot of a lot of Congress members of Congress bring their families when they are certifying the election of the next president or the current president, if he's reelected. And um, they made different choices on January 6th. There was a lot of information that January 6th was going to be a grim day in our country and and that there were threats being made against members of Congress. And um, she had her daughter present. And so her daughter, from what I understand, is a documentarian and she took out her camera when things started going downhill and showed us what was going on behind the scenes. And we saw firsthand um, the House Speaker. We also saw Chuck Schumer just jump into action. And there was there was two different levels of like, I can't believe this is going on. They were learning from Capitol Police that people were like literally defecating on the House floor. Um, They were destroying the Capitol. They were trying to figure out, like, how do we get help? How do we make sure that the vice president is safe? How do we make sure we can keep doing the vote? We need to show that rioters can't stop the business of Congress. And so it was very much, let's put a plan in action. Let's get help. They were trying to get the National Guard in. They were calling the governors of Maryland and Virginia, trying to make sure they had backup Um, And they knew they needed somebody from the federal government to make that call. And they were trying to figure out how to do that if the president wasn't doing it himself. So there was a lot going on behind the scenes that we were seeing from her videos. And um, just the emotion that was going on from being fearful for their colleague's safety. Um, We saw the moment that Speaker Pelosi found out that her Colleagues had gone back into session to try to do the vote and they had to put on gas masks to make sure um, they weren't going to be tear gassed by rioters. And she just couldn't believe like this is the level we were at. Um, So there was a lot of that emotion. But there's also um, I'm trying to figure out a word I can say. I saw the people were really praising her, but with language that we wouldn't use on the podcast, but just like her overall, like, let me take charge like female empowerment that happened in that moment of like people who should be taking charge while the Capitol's being raided aren't doing it. So I'm going to do what I need to do to get things done. Um, So it was kind of both a very emotional moment, but like also a very empowering moment to see the powers of government kick into action when other powers of government kicked out of action. I was watching some of it later on on C-SPAN and was struck by how how calm everybody was, you know, especially with what was going on in different rooms. And um, I think most people realize that's a, a difficult thing to do where you just, you know, 
in, in a in a very stressful situation. Obviously, military are trained to react a certain way, and and law enforcement, where you you follow your training and you just um, you're just pretty straight with with everything that that you're doing in the conversations. But I thought that was really interesting. That I mean, obviously, it was a stressful situation. There's a sense of that, but just how you know, pretty straight Pelosi was when she's on the phone with Northam, when they're on the phone with Pence, you know, just those conversations between all of them, you know, and with McConnell and just, you know, this is this, this is that, you know, even figuring out what's the time frame for when we go back and what are the police saying and we need to do this. And it's all the just a, a level of um, maybe experience, I guess, of people that have spent their lives and in, in in difficult situations and knowing how you need to to step up and, and respond in a, in a serious, uh, sober way, I guess is what I'm saying. And what I can't figure out is Pence and, you know, he is somewhere in a loading dock, somewhere in the Capitol. I've yet to figure out where that hidden location is. And, you know, he's not somewhere comfortable. He's trying to get things done. And his just like you don't hear emotion in his voice. He is the one that people are trying to like, they were saying, we're going to execute him. We're going to hang him. Um, and he's so calm in it all. I really, I wonder if eventually he'll, he'll talk more about his, his experience, maybe years from now. Some people never do. Some people do. And it seems like at each one of these hearings, we find out a little bit more um, of what Pence did and said, and I guess he's talked a little bit, I think in, at, at some things, but but not very specifically, and and maybe that's just not not what he wants to do or is ready to do yet. What do you think? Well, we need to take a break, but I'll answer that question as soon as we come back and let you know what I've heard on that. All right, we'll be back with more about January six, uh, how this factors into the upcoming election, and headliner of the week. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Under the Dome. I'm News and Observer Politics reporter Don Vaughn here with Danielle Battaglia. Before the break, we were talking about former Vice President Pence and the uh, details of what happened on on January 6th and and information that we've learned about him and what he might share himself. And Danielle, um, tell us what you think, where where things are going with with how much information, if there's more information we'll learn about Pence that's not directly from him or, or if there will be things directly from him eventually. I think there's a lot of information that we need to hear from the vice president. And I think he is willing to share it, but I think he's looking to do it through the proper means. Um, Don knows that when we had the White House Correspondents Dinner, actually, no, scratch that, when we had the Gridiron Dinner um, in April, my guest for that evening was his chief of staff, Mark Short. So I got to spend some time with him. And I mean, we didn't talk a lot about that evening, but just spending time with his chief of staff gave me some insight into just, there's way more to the story. Like there's way more that we need to hear from him. And I think they're very willing to share it, but everything I've heard is like, we need to do it through the proper channels. We need to do it at the proper time. Um, I think it's a lot of, there's probably a million legal legalities and red tape that's in their way. Um, but it seems like they're trying to do everything by the book. And I think eventually we will hear directly from the vice president. I've also heard like, he's willing to sit down with the January 6th committee, and I'm not sure if those conversations have taken place yet, but I think those could be happening in the future. 
I had seen from some of the covers that the some of the police officers were were there. Did they did they speak at all? Was there much about them other than you know more footage, and they were just there to to be part of it again? They have attended every hearing, so I think there's five that you always see. Um, I think they're like kind of the heroes of January 6th, and they probably do not want to be labeled that way, but that's kind of how they've been lifted up. And they have been front row almost every January 6th hearing. Sometimes they have to be moved to the back depending on the magnitude of who's testifying, but they have attended every hearing. They tend to talk to the media. We, for like our purposes, I'm very much a regional reporter. So um, I, we tend to take from national outlets for our reporting, unless there's something hyper-local. So like Mark Meadows comes up, he's our former 11th congressional district congressman. That was very redundant. Um, so, so I'm there specifically for North Carolina purposes or anything for the McClatchy bureaus, but, um, they do talk, they do talk about what happened to them that day. Um, I know one of the officers just put out a book, I believe this week. So they're talking about their time there. And I think I've heard that they just really want to hear actual details about what happened and learn more about like, how did they get into this situation? I think it's interesting. You know, some people think government uh, meetings are boring. Part of it is because they talk and they sort of just monotone voices about things a lot of the times, but they're talking about very serious things and going through the the process for it. So we really appreciate you you being there in the room and and following all of this and telling North Carolinians and and everyone else what we what we should know about what, what's going on. Um, because we're a few weeks out, we need to talk a little bit about the election before we get to headliner. So do you think there's any factor of, of January 6th in, in the federal elections that, that you're seeing? And then we can also talk a little bit about the uh, state elections. I think I've annoyed every radio host that's interviewed me in the last couple of weeks because my answer has always been we need to see the returns from 2022 to see how January 6th is going to interact with the election Um, You know, speaking with our political scientists that I always am quoting, um, I've been talking to them, I think, since I moved up to D.C. last November about how is that going to play into this election. And, you know, in the primary, it really pushed some people forward. Um, You saw people like Ted Budd. He's got the endorsement of the former president. He's got the endorsement of um, conservative super PAC club for growth. That helped push him forward. But then when you get into the general election and you have such a large voting pool coming from the unaffiliated voter and such a tight race between people like Sherry Beasley and Ted Budd, who are both running for Senate, it's really hard to see, is that going to help him or is it going to hurt him? I've heard it's not hurting his campaign. Obviously, he's still going to rallies with the former president yesterday. Um, Donald Trump Jr. was in town at an event for him, campaigning with him. So obviously they're not trying to get away from it. But I think until you see those returns election night, we won't actually know how January 6th plays a factor. And then I think we can start having conversations about 2024. I think timeline, of course, also is into play if there's any big news from it, right? As people are voting, and then of course abortion is a big motivating factor for Democratic voters and other voters that that's important to and inflation is important and impacts every single person and whether or not they blame uh, politicians for that at your state, local or federal level. But I, I agree with you. It's like, you know, 
you can say, well, maybe this, maybe that, and polls and, and whatever else. But then until we actually get there, you you don't know until until election day, right? Even with inflation, if you look at the High Point University poll that came out in September, like people are blaming China, they're blaming Biden, they're blaming Trump, they're blaming COVID. Like it really just depends on the voter and what news they're paying attention to. And party line votes too, right? And party line votes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get to our headliners of the week, Danielle. Obviously, our head, the big headline, of course, is is the tragedy in Raleigh. But since we've already talked about that, we'll have two other things. Um, and what's your headliner that relates a little bit to what we were just talking about? We're going to go with former President Donald Trump. Um, obviously, he was subpoenaed yesterday by the January sixth committee. He's already put out a fourteen page letter talking about that subpoena. Um, and in news articles today, I've seen it quoted that some people close to the former president say he's all about getting his side out there and testifying in front of them. So, um, and others think he will not answer to it. We've seen with, um, Mark Meadows, who I've already mentioned, he has completely avoided their subpoenas. So some people think it's going to be the same thing where we'll see people in his circle who have avoided the subpoena. Um, he'll go down that same path and and not answer this and not be held accountable full for an, avoiding a subpoena. So I think Donald Trump right now is my headliner to see what he's going to do. And what about you? What's your headliner? Um, my headliner. I'll end this on a um, a more uh, a happier note. Memories that people have had with their families over the years and friends, and that they can make this week. It's the North Carolina State Fair that opened uh, these past few days and, and continues throughout this week. And it draws people um, from all over the state. It's, you know, it's urban and rural. It's, it's all uh, race, age, gender, of uh, demographic of, of everyone that just wants to come and um, have time together and enjoy the fair for whatever you're there for. Um, some of our, our colleagues did coverage of the new food, if that's what people like. And uh, I, I'm, I was always a big fan of the rabbit barn, which doesn't exist anymore, but in general, um, in general, I like the whole atmosphere and that's kind of changed as, as my son has grown. And I remember the first time I went to the fair when I moved here, I thought, oh, you know, maybe we'll go for a couple hours and then realizing later that like, we didn't even see the whole fair. So there's, there's lots to do there. And and I hope it's something that can uh, lift people up in, in, a, in a serious time and, and give them a chance to spend time at, um, make new memories with their with their family and friends. So the North Carolina State Fair is is my headliner of the week. I never got to go to the State Fair and I always wanted to. So I hope you all go and have a lot of fun in my honor. <laughs> well, you can you're more than welcome to come back to North Carolina anytime and go to the fair. It's every October, every mid-October, right in time for for election season, right? So yeah, that's uh, absolutely what our bosses will be doing right now. Well, we're just a couple weeks out for it. And then we can talk about what actually happened, not what not what might happen with, with the election. So all right, I'm Don Vaughn with Danielle Battaglia. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.